We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Aaron Rodgers looking for Devontae Adams. He's got it! DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor, touchdown. Hello and welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And of course, I'm joined as always by Sean Siegel, my co-host here on the podcast. Sean, when that is coming in onto the intro of the show, it does mention uh, Stefan Diggs catching a touchdown there. Maybe we need to look into changing that to, <laughs> to Gabriel Davis uh, for, the, for the rest of the postseason and, and into the rest of the next NFL season, I guess. But um I, we had a lot of good feedback on the the players to put into that, so that was a, a fun process towards the end of last season. We'll we'll continue to probably update that as at certain periodic times over the the, the coming the coming months, I guess we'll say. But uh, we're ready for the conference championship games. Two massive games coming up this weekend. After what feels like we've got a, a kind of a breath after what happened in the divisional round. Starting off the show, I do want to plug uh, and we'll talk about it a little bit later in the show but stealing bananas that came out on wednesday with yourself and ben um i did talk about on tuesday's show about the overtime rules and some of the scenarios around that but you and ben had a, a really cool discussion around the overtime scenarios possible ways to change those rules possible ways that that then would in turn change the tactical element of the game which i thought was hugely uh, entertaining to listen along to so i would recommend anyone that hasn't heard wednesday stealing bananas to head on over and check that out and of course make sure you're subscribed to the road of his overtime podcast feed make sure you're subscribed as well to that stealing bananas podcast feed as well as all the other road of his podcasts that are coming out all over the off season keep you up to date with all the goings on but sean the thing i wanted to touch on today to start off the show really is uh curtis patrick had a tweet a couple of days ago talked about the rookie draft guide yourself Blair Dave and uh, Travis May who does phenomenal uh, work in terms of the college football scene um, having the summit this week for the road of his rookie guide volume one for 2022 any behind the scenes information to share how did that go are we looking here for looking good for this week for some real positive college content yeah it's always fun to get together with the guys and especially hearing Travis talk about the context for a lot of these players, right? Because we come at it from an analytical perspective, but you still want to understand the story of a player, at least so that you can get 
a feeling for why and how his stats developed the way that they did. We have a couple of high-profile transfers in this class. Obviously, you've got a number of big names who are coming off of either previous injuries or now have current injuries that will really affect the process. So you want to go through and make sure you're understanding exactly how that all develops. And Travis, as you mentioned, I think is is one of, if not the best mind in the college football space to have him on the team working with this is a lot of fun. He's got a lot of specialist content that will be in that draft guide. And so if you're looking for things like his adjusted production index, which is my favorite wide receiver stat tool, then you can get that in there. But it was it was fun to go over these with the guys. We did rankings. We did mock drafts. One of the exercises that I really enjoyed was a set of three super flex three round mock drafts that we did with different draft orders and so you know sometimes Curtis would pick first sometimes I would etc etc we go through and you can get a little feel of the different players there and this at least at this point is a fun class because I don't think there's a clear 101 when you talk about Superflex obviously last year Trevor Lawrence was the big name and yet you did see drafts in which Kyle Pitts would push to number one uh, Najee Harris would push to number one didn't see too many where Jamar Chase did but I'm sure they were out there and obviously if we were to go back and do them again i think that there would be at least a few more i mean there's still going to be drafters who do want that quarterback who are still going to be very excited about what uh, kyle pitts now has to offer going forward you get that sort of wide receiver force the tight end position which obviously is number one hard to fill but secondly you get the tight end premium element and then you know if you had harris how disappointed could you be right i mean he had this workload that was absolutely perfect and there is a possibility it didn't look really what you would want in that playoff game again but kind of going into the playoffs finally had a couple of games where he showed that spark so last season the top worked out very well unless you picked trevor lawrence and now you're kind of hoping that the new coach as we record today it looks like that might be byron Lefwich, can get him going so even some room for excitement there but, uh, I mean, last year was just crazy, right, with the depth of the top. And there was even a big draft I was in where I was able to select Chase at the 106, which felt, you know, just crazy, right? So you have the tight end, you have Harris, you have the three quarterbacks, and any of the three quarterbacks could still work out. I think that, I mean, if you drafted Justin Fields, you know, some hiccups there, if you went with the North Dakota State star, then you just didn't really get any points for him for the first year. And so you had to be really patient. Now, Lance, I think, especially with Garoppolo kind of holding them back in the playoffs as opposed to being the driver of their success, you, you definitely think that he could be in that position next year. From a 49ers perspective, they have to hope that they used an awful lot to get him. And so long-term, that may still work, but to have Chase at number six, pretty exciting. Now, you look forward to this season and again a number of names that can be pulled out of the hat so at this point we don't have the testing numbers we don't have the draft slots and see a lot of uncertainty still but there is a running back that i think is going to go out and make a big impact right away so if you need that position which obviously a lot of people always do i think you have a shot there at the top four five six wide receivers who are very interesting Right now, the rhetoric on the QBs is that none of them are safe. We don't know where they're going to go. And 
you have a ton of risk, and yet the QB values in round one this year may be pretty crazy when you consider that there are guys with hybrid ability. There are players who did have some exciting seasons in college. There's going to be a huge need for the quarterback. So we know these guys are going to go in the first round somewhere. And then because of that, the depth throughout the first round, very intriguing, right? And so I don't necessarily think this is a situation where you just flat out have to push those picks to 2023. Now, there are going to be some exciting guys in 2023, but we look at the wide receiver position, especially, and we look at what wins in Dynasty, and you use those picks on the best receivers and build that receiver depth, and then you have a team that you know, one, two, three years down the line, no one can really compete with. And that part of it, I think, is a lot of fun for 2022. And again, it looks like the second round will actually have quite a bit of potential talent for you, including some tight ends who can make an impact. Again, are always looking to fill that tight end premium. So I like this group. We built, I drafted a team with Monty Fon, with Blair Andrews, with Ben Gretsch in the Rotoviz Triflex leagues last year. And all three times we acquired a ton of 2022 picks. Now we'll try to push some of those to 2023 just because, you know, you have roster spot limitations. So you, you can't just roster an unlimited number of guys, but yet the 2022 picks I'm pretty excited about. This was a fun exercise. It's a fun draft guide. And so, yeah, we're, we're getting into rookie time, right? And, and that's, I mean, if one of your teams won in this last week, it's still not as fun as playoffs and Super Bowl and that kind of thing, but it's pretty close. It's pretty close to reality Super Bowl time, you know, pretty close to fantasy championship time. So, you know, thinking week 16 and 17 right now, there are a few things as much fun as arguing and debating and just discussing the rookies over these next two or three months. So I'm pretty fired up for dynasty season. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And, uh, you know, you mentioned there, like, starting those conversations. It feels like it's a long way away for people maybe listening to the show and they're thinking about the draft. But once uh, we get the Super Bowl over us in, you know, a couple of weeks, where <laughs> it's going to come thick and fast and there's going to be a lot of content. Of course, if you're interested in getting signed up to get that once it is released, you can go to rotaviz.com forward slash DCC rg so dccrg uh after rotaviz.com forward slash then that and you'll be able to get signed up you can also find it throughout the website but you know the guys are involved there you know them all from rotaviz radio channels i mentioned the different podcasts obviously uh blair and hassan do the the rotaviz report but travis may has done a fantastic job with stefan Leco with the college stuff as well college to canton and the college show so great stuff coming and, and last off season kind of listening to you talking there sean about Travis was kind of jogging my memory. One of the most fun things I did all last off season was a, a kind of a, a mini series with um, both Travis and John Daigle. And uh, we had a lot of fun talking through some of the prospects there. So really excited, like you said, to get into the prospects and uh, to head into that kind of season, dive into more podcasts, get more content out. So should be a really fun time. Hey, Rotoviz fans. This is Dave Cabin from the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast, taking a minute to let you know that as a loyal Rotoviz listener, you can get 10% off a one year subscription when you use the promo code RVRADIO2022 at checkout. It gives you full access to all of our content and tools. And again, that's RVRADIO2022 at checkout for 10% off a one year Rotoviz subscription. Enjoy the podcast. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The other thing I mentioned was the conversation yourself and Ben had. So we're going to talk about these games for this weekend. Two games. Do we get overtime again? Do we get walk-off field goals? Do we get scores to, to win the games? Is it as exciting as it was last week? But the one thing I did want to mention that I thought was interesting that Ben had mentioned was around the scenario of having, you know, kind of a predetermined uh, outlook before we get to kind of the fourth quarter as in who gets the ball first in overtime rather than the coin toss. And what I really enjoyed with you guys on the podcast was talking about the difference in strategy around that and you know i i think like you know as simple as like the coin toss happens that team that wins it gets to pick if they want the ball first or second but i think it, it could be as simple as based on that first coin toss the team then in overtime who got the ball first because technically the other team's going to get the ball start the second half to go with that I, I thought that was interesting as to how that would affect the outcome then the potential outcome of, of how things would start in overtime and how that would factor into the tactics around um, teams really going for it rather than settling for the field goal um, and, and some of the scenarios you've talked about around two-point conversions and things like that. So I'm not going to dive into it and go through it again, but I, I really uh, can't recommend highly enough uh, folks go and check that out on the Stadium Bananas podcast from Wednesday. But Sean, looking at these games, we have the Chiefs and Bengals at Arrowhead and then we have the Rams and 49ers and we have seen over the last couple of outings that the uh, 49ers have had the Rams number and we've also seen the Chiefs getting a win over the Bengals, or sorry, the Bengals getting a win over the Chiefs uh, very recently as well in, in that massive shootout game. So how, how do we feel? I'll let you pick which game you want to go with first, but where are we looking? Do we think it's, it's repeat results or do we think uh, it, it bounces back completely the other way or, or how do you see it playing out? Yeah, it's interesting here because we're going to see the teams that won those games just a couple of weeks ago are going to be on the road. And so they'll have to come through in difficult conditions. One of the things I know I mentioned this before, but that I did find interesting about the divisional round is that there were some key moments in all four games where the home field made a big difference. And yet, only once did the home team actually come through. And so those road teams, I think, would have felt very good that they would have done even better had they been at home. Now, in only one of those cases, will that team be at home this week, right? The Rams will now be at home, the 49ers, and Bengals still have to go on the road. And so for Cincinnati, that 
is going to be an issue because you do get just this unbelievable crowd at Arrowhead, right? And almost all home teams, especially in the playoffs, are going to get something of an advantage from their fans. But we know that Kansas City is one of those stadiums where, you know, they're always setting records in terms of just how loud it is. Having attended a number of game there, I can, you know, vouch for it in person that it does get very loud. And, you know, especially, you know, kind of going back to the Marty Schottenheimer days, you would see this make a huge, huge difference for those just ferocious defenses that he put on the field. And there's been a little bit less of the obvious difference under Dick Vermeil and Andy Reid, where the teams are a little bit more offensively oriented. They tend to have a lot of success in both environments. Now, the thing with that is that when you don't have to worry about crowd noise on your own drives, it makes you pretty confident that Patrick Mahomes isn't going to run into trouble. One of the things that we saw in the first game is that Kansas City did get out to this big lead against the Bengals, and then uh, the Bengals were not only able to get stops, but they were also able to play keep away. In the second half, they come back, they hold the Chiefs to only three points, they win 34-31. For a, a huge game for them that kind of really launched them into the situation that they're in now, and I don't think that they'll be able to hold the Chiefs in the second half. It is, it is one of the things that kind of goes back to this overtime conversation too. And just how much of overtime do you think is because the defenses are, are really just absolutely exhausted at that point? Because one of the things that was kind of interesting and in talking about how, you know, potentially being anticlimactic is that the Chiefs had only scored touchdowns on four out of 10 possessions to that point, right? Now you're going to say, again, the stakes are different. And so in some ways, the play calls will be different. The fourth down decisions, if you get to that point, which they did not, would be different. Uh, but but all of those things, I think, also provide us some insights in terms of maybe what they should have done earlier. And it's it's hard to say that the Chiefs and Bills, you know, both sides should have been even more aggressive than they were because they were quite ag aggressive throughout the game. But if you can think of yourself as always kind of being in this moment where we could lose the game right here or we could win the game right here, then you want to go after that. I think we're going to see the Chiefs score better than they did on the road and they scored 31 points on the road, right? And so we have a pretty high over under for this game. It's in the mid 50s. Last time they scored a combined 65 points. The Chiefs, you know, depending on where you look, are approximately touchdown favorites, which on the one hand, I think you could argue sells the Bengals a little short, right? Because this is a Bengals team. You go in and you look at the game level similarity projections and it it likes the Bengals guys. And, and you can understand that since the Chiefs have had some breakdowns now recently, but it doesn't necessarily like the Chiefs players quite as well, which is interesting. But part of that is because the Bengals defense has been really good, you know, over the last month, month and a half. They held the Broncos to 10 points, they held the Ravens to 21, the Chiefs to 31. But then they have the game at the end of the season where the Browns score 21 against their second string defense. Then they hold the Raiders to 19, the Titans to 16. And, uh, you know, we've got a team here now, you even go back a little bit further and they have some other great games in there. This is a team that's good on the defensive side of the ball. And yet we expect the offenses to really come through here. So I think the Bengals are going to have to score a lot of points and it'll be interesting to see number one, how healthy the chiefs defense is in the back end. And then number two, can their guys like Chris Jones get in there, create the sacks, 
How aggressive will they be? We saw the Titans send a few more players to get to Burrow than what we tended to see in the Bills-Chiefs games in terms of how those teams were rushing and were attacking. The Bengals are going to have to figure out a way, number one, to keep Burrow up, and number two, to have some of these underneath targets for Tyler Boyd. Boyd was not super involved in this game against Tennessee, and that seemed to really come back to haunt him as they had those nine sacks. I think Boyd and Mixon are going to have to be more involved underneath to have the whole overall attack that balances out some of these deep throws to Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. Yeah, it really feels that way. It feels to going on the road and back-to-back weeks to Tennessee and then to um, Arrowhead, obviously, this week. And it mightn't seem like a lot, but the back-to-back home games versus back-to-back road games is going to be a challenge. Then you factor in the, the crowd noise. And although the line in terms of the betting line seems a little bit maybe um overvalued towards the chiefs it, it's still in a way it's pretty close you know if it i think it should be at least five um and i do think a lot of the stuff that you mentioned there's gonna be a big factor in terms of how things play out obviously the chiefs did slip up did have the loss to the the bengals but the, the other thing with the bengals is we have seen them have a couple of games over the last kind of two months where they have struggled quite a bit they they put up 15 against the Broncos, although they did win that one. They put up uh, 16 against the Browns in a loss. Um, obviously, that game did not really factor into things. It was the final week of the regular season. We have seen them you know, not put up huge numbers, and it feels to me like they need to put up 30-plus points in this game to you know, to, to out, outdo the, uh, the Chiefs. The Chiefs' weapons as well, you know, getting Tyreek Hill back healthy um, looks to be a lot healthier than he was. I, I think there's going to be a lot of things going in the, the Chiefs' favor here. I, I, <laughs> for the show purposes, you being a Chiefs fan, I am rooting for the Chiefs. I think it, it would be something quite amazing to see this Bengals team with Joe Burrow, a second-year wide receiver, a rookie wide receiver, making it to the Super Bowl. I think it would be a spectacular story if the Bengals were to make it all the way there but I, I do feel like all things considered the Chiefs definitely have the the upper hand heading into this one and I mentioned it before the previous game uh, when they faced the Titans I, I just need the Bengals even if they were to lose I need them to continue to be aggressive um, and obviously I also need them to protect Joe Burrow um, and not get him sacked nine times but I think um, I think the Chiefs come out on top in this one but this this for me is I know there'll be different people of different games of the weekend. I'm excited to see what happens here. And I, I hope the Bengals can keep it close, but I, I think that they'll they'll just come up short in the end. Um, the other game, obviously, is the 49ers facing the Rams and a very unique situation the Rams find themselves in, you know, um, heading into this, like n- not first seed, not second seed, and to now have uh, a home game for the championship uh, is going to be interesting. I suppose for the 49ers as well, they have gone from playing in you know icy cold conditions uh, at Lambeau Field to now playing in a you know a kind of climate controlled uh, dome which should be a much more uh, positive experience for them and obviously they had a, a big win here a couple of weeks ago which may soften that home field advantage just a little bit um we did see them win with not 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 a huge amount of offense overall against the Packers we did see Debo Samuel come up big with his play we seen a, a big catch by um George Kittle late on in the game. We did see a number of drops from the 49ers in general. So Jimmy G didn't have a great like great game, I guess, but a lot there was a lot of, of drops in there too that that could have led to more. So the 
my feeling on this is that the the game last week is probably going to take more out of them from the conditions and having to recover from those conditions versus what the uh, situation was in Tampa with the Rams. I don't know if you factor that much into it, Sean, but we have the situation then where Jimmy Garoppolo's had the injuries being a bit banged up and we'll see how good to go um, Debo Samuel's going to be heading into this one. He did get a little bit hurt in that Packers game as well. So I have a feeling here that the Rams will will win this one. And I think just on both sides of the ball, how complete they are. I think the 49ers are, are very strong overall, but I think the defensive capabilities of the Rams and also the explosive, explosive nature of the offense gives the, the Rams a, a big boost here. If they can avoid fumbling and turning the ball over six or seven times in the fourth quarter. <laughs> Yeah, I think this is an interesting contrast of styles because the Rams, when they're going right, and on the vast majority of plays, are good at everything. You you go through, and one of the things that we did kind of emphasize as we built our playoff teams was just this element where the Rams' defense can get overlooked, but they're not a good matchup really in in any way shape or form right and so you're trying to fade the players who have to face them it was one of the reasons why we went completely empty basically on the arizona cardinals beyond just the fact that the cardinals were not hot we're not going to have deandre hopkins didn't look like they're going to win the game that kind of thing and you get to this game last week where until the turnovers created some short fields and you have the short field combined with the urgency of the scoreboard and you finally do have tom brady break through for some plays but until that point again the rams defense had been completely dominant and had taken away brady and evans and this team that to that point has scored a lot of points now you know it's not quite the same team they had for most of the season without chris godwin without antonio brown that type of thing but yet obviously the buccaneers especially at home not having to deal with crowd noise or something like that a dynamic offense they didn't look like much of anything against the rams and so now we get into this game where just a couple weeks ago the rams were cruising to victory against the 49ers and again looked better than in every area right they're a much better passing team they have a defense that is similar but probably has more dynamism and more different things that they can do to take away both the run and the pass Both teams have some defensive stars, but obviously the Rams are loaded with defensive stars. And so you have this game that the Rams are absolutely dominating, and then the switch flips. And suddenly the physicality, the mental toughness, the scheme strengths that the 49ers have. That's not to say that the Rams don't have scheme strength. Obviously, Sean McVay is a young coach who has outperformed any expectations the Rams could have had for him when they made that hire. But yet we see Kyle Shanahan be able to counteract some of these things, create the running game that kind of sucks the life out of L.A., takes the ball control element from them, and then puts the Rams in these situations where there is pressure. And under pressure the last several years, whether it's with Jared Goff, who got a lot of criticism for it, or with Matthew Stafford, who tends to have the good plays that he makes emphasize. I mean, It's easy to go back and think about the year where Jared Goff led the Rams to the Super Bowl. You think about the the game they had that year with the Kansas City Chiefs where both teams were in the 40s. I mean, Jared Goff led this team to a lot of points when he was kind of at his peak with the Rams. So it's not like 
the Rams scoring a lot of points and being a high-flying offense within the context of Sean McVay is something that's just happening now, right? And in some ways, that Goff team was still even a lot better than this Matthew Stafford team has been. The key is, can Matthew Stafford execute once the pressure gets ramped up? Are we going to have some of these elements with other types of turnovers? Now, the fumbles, you would think especially, are going to be very, very fluky and not something we should necessarily worry about. The pass protection the quarterback decision-making under pressure, that's an element where consistently Matthew Stafford has had issues in this most recent game. Didn't have the big plays made against him, but the 49ers defense is playing even better than the Buccaneers defense is going to cause more problems for them. So we're going to see, I think, a scenario that even with better weather is not dissimilar to what we saw last week where the 49ers were able to keep it close and then the superstar quarterback was not able to make the key plays to get the opponent over the hump. Aaron Rodgers, quite a bit better and more consistent and less error prone than Matthew Stafford. So from that perspective, I think the 49ers have to be pretty excited. And then you just have their recent string of victories against the Rams. You know, when we look at trying to project people for fantasy purposes, when we look at, you know, what the lines are, obviously the Rams are Number one, a better team, top to bottom. They have better quarterback play, which we know is the thing that really determines NFL football games. And they're at home, so they are the favorites. And that those are the things that we use to try and decide on fantasy lineups, on DFS lineups, all of those types of things. And yet, the fact that the 49ers have dominated this Rams team can't help but Number one, be in the front of the minds of players on both teams. And then two, the Rams really will have to figure this out from a schematic perspective, from an in-game tactics perspective, because the NFL, one of the reasons that, that we love it, I mean, you have all of these highlight plays, you have the excitement of playing fantasy. I mean, fantasy is a perfect game through the football, but reality football is so fun from an X's and O's perspective. And it's both this physical battle and this battle for uh, what you might call macho physical dominance, and yet at the same time is very much a cerebral battle with the coaching staffs, and then can the players execute that, right? Is the defense able to go out and be perfect in terms of executing their roles every play? You don't have to have too many plays that break down to cost you a game. I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs actually held up extremely well against that Buffalo attack, forced them into some very difficult fourth downs. But on three or four huge plays in that game, they did break down. They weren't able to execute their responsibilities on those plays and it put it in a situation where the Bills should have won that game, right? You get into a situation here with Rams 49ers. How many times will the defenses be able to execute their responsibilities, player one through player 11, on those key plays? And then will the quarterbacks be able to execute what they are supposed to do? Will the receivers see it the right way, make the right cut? You know, will we get the big catches? Now, the thing that I think you have to be excited about here, I mean, it's fun to watch the games in the cold from the perspective of it. And the players have to come at it from a positive mental standpoint. So you have those quotes before the Packers game of, you know, oh, now we find out who really likes to play football. And so, you know, that element of it is fun. But at the same time, when we're in a, an AFC or NFC championship game here, you do 
want to see it determined by who can make a play, not whether or not everyone's hands are too cold to make a catch on the ball, but that type of thing, whether everybody's sliding around out there because they can't make cuts. And so in this game, you know, does Brandon Ayuk come through, make the big catch? What will George Kittle do? You know, can Cooper Cup get behind the defense? Will Odell Beckham be able to like keep himself in control and run the routes he's supposed to run and then make that big play behind it. You know, can Van Jefferson get loose deep? You know, is Cam Akers going to hold on to the ball? So, I mean, this game here has a lot going for it. And I think that the 49ers, right, which have Debo Samuel, have George Kittle, have Brandon Ayuk, have Elijah Mitchell back there. It's going to be more fun to see them as a dynamic offense than to see what we saw last week, which, you know, frankly, I mean, it was a boring game from that perspective. It was a great game in terms of overall. Again, it's always cool to see these guys playing in the on the frozen tundra. But, you know, in terms of the actual quality of the game, I think we can look forward to this week. Yeah, I'll agree that uh, in terms of enjoyment, it wasn't one of my <laughs> one of the most enjoyable games I watched uh, in quite some time. But uh, I will say um, I think it's going to be fascinating. I think there's a lot of ways it can go. I, I feel like the Rams are going to take this one. It sounds like you might be edging towards the 49ers based on the recent run of results here. Are you going 49ers? I am. I am. I. They've got too many fun players, right? And even though I think you, me, the vast majority of fans are captivated by teams like the Bengals and the high-flying passing offenses, obviously the Bills, the Chiefs, those types of teams, the contrast of styles here is a lot of fun. And to see Debo out of the backfield, it's it's kind of mind-boggling. I mentioned, I think, on a couple of shows that I've gone back and watched some old Barry Sanders highlights recently. And it, it's interesting to think of Debo within that kind of context. I do want to see him catch more passes, right? I think to yeah, win... Yeah, I mean, to win these games, he needs to not just be a running back. When he's, I mean, one of the things, too, that, that does get you a little bit frustrated, I... I couldn't believe after Tyreek Hill had that big return, punt return in the Chiefs-Bills game that he then goes to the sidelines and as a result, they do a bunch of running plays and then kick a field goal when they only have 15 yards to gain. I mean, that was a, a big turn for Buffalo where, you know, they've got to feel pretty demoralized by having given that return up. They look like they could go down, you know, multiple scores again, and then they get the hold and that does change the game. On some of these situations with Debo where he's getting the pitches, he's making these great runs, he is hit by four or five guys, you know, his body is twisted as he's going down, you're worried about the groin, you're worried about the knee, you're worried about ankle, and you're thinking, you know, how many of these plays can he realistically do? And then the 49ers are also worried about that because he then comes off the field and then they run a passing play that's George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk and it's unsuccessful <laughs> and you're like, well, probably we should have just gone with Elijah Mitchell and then had the wide receivers out there for the passing play. So there are pluses and minuses to using him in that role, but I mean, it's an awful lot of fun to watch him do that. And then the other side of it is just that this 49ers defense has gotten to the point where they're so hard to move the ball against, right? They're a dominant, scary defense. And I think, you know, if you're a Rams fan, that has to worry you because this dynamic offense for LA has also been mistake prone. So you have both the good and the bad with LA, which is a little bit different than almost all of the rest of these kind of final eight teams in the playoffs. The Rams may be the most talented team top to bottom, but yet 
they're also the riskiest one from that perspective. If you're a Rams fan and now you're going into this game against the 49ers, you're very worried that they're going to number one, be physically beaten again. And that number two, some big plays will go against you. And in its own way, that actually becomes worse if they're going to use Cam Akers pretty extensively, not because we would expect Akers to fumble again, but simply because all of those running plays decrease the likelihood that the Rams blow out the 49ers. And if you don't blow them out, then you're into a coin flip game, right? So if they're, they're going to kill the clock, if they're going to create scenarios where they have third downs, if you're handing off to Akers as opposed to passing to Cup and Beckham, then you're going to face more third downs. You're going to have more stops, right? And so you're going to have to punt more often. And so the game's closer now in the second half. You don't have as much margin to make those mistakes. So I think there are a lot of elements about the game the way it's likely to play out that do give the, the 49ers a very good chance for the upset. Yeah. So Sean is going for a rematch of the, the Super Bowl from two years ago. And uh, I'm going to go for a, a Chiefs Rams Super Bowl here to, to finish things off. But we will be talking about that. Sean did touch on some of the playoff contest stuff. We'll be talking a little bit about that on Saturday, how those teams are going, maybe how those scenarios that were potentially pitching as, as how the Super Bowl might go might actually affect our chances positively or negatively with those teams of having successful outcomes in a couple of weeks after the Super Bowl in terms of where we finish in the standings there. As always, as we finish up the show, I'd like to know you can get a 10% discount to a road of his NFL pass. All you have to do is add the code RVRADIO2022 at checkout or go to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for additional information that'll get you access to all of the content and tools on the site i also mentioned earlier the rookie guide head on over and check that out as well and get your copy once it is available that's going to do it for today's edition of the show my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter add over to Maryland. my co-host is sean siegel check out all of sean's work up on rotoviz.com and until we're back with another episode of rotoviz overtime have a good one Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. <laughs>